0: Hey guys, today in the podcast, we have Placeholder, an SCP author that focuses on informational entities like artificial intelligence and pataphysics. If you enjoy the podcast, make sure you follow us or review us if you're on Apple Podcasts. Uh, The more you guys help me means the more I can put into these podcasts. Anyways, hope you enjoy. Thanks. A hot slice. So welcome on. It's good to have you, Placeholder. I think you're probably Hello. one of the youngest authors to come on to date. Um, so that's cool. Um, yeah, cool. So before I, I get into this, we were just talking about this, and I think it'd be fitting for you to explain. Uh, so you, you kind of specialize in like informational entities and pataphysics. What is pataphysics? I get confused about this, like, all the time.
1: Okay, so there's what uh, pataphysics is called in the real world and the er- origins of the sort of term, and then there's the way it's used in the SCP Wiki, which is very different. Um, so the idea is, in the real world, uh, a bunch of philosophers were sitting around, and they were like, okay, so we have the physical world, that's, and we apply science to that using physics, and then we have uh, the world of ideas and philosophy and things, and we we that's all, like, metaphysical. And it's like, well, what if there was even a layer above that, right? What if there was a layer above just, like, how ideas form naturally? And they called it pataphysics. And they kind of treated it as a joke, uh, and they put, like, an apostrophe at the front of it because the idea was, like, because it's something that's beyond physics, like, it's also beyond pronunciation. But it's, like, all the details around how it was... Created are wacky and aren't specified, and uh, you can go look it up on Wikipedia, and it will hurt your head more than what I'm saying right now. Um, but the way it's used there doesn't really matter so much. The way it's used over here in SCP Wiki Land is um, it's the idea that the characters in the SCP Wiki universe know and understand to some extent that their universe is at least partially fictional and Mm -hmm. the science of how they try and understand how that works is called pataphysics um and and it makes it kind of makes sense because the idea is like if you've got something that's beyond metaphysics beyond like just how ideas form what are the ideas that make ideas form A, you could interpret it as like somebody writing a story, an author writing those ideas into Mm -hmm. existence. And then B, you could interpret it as like, oh, well, the reasons we have all of these like philosophical, metaphysical ideas are because of like archetypes and stories and things that are in the collective consciousness. And so because of those sort of aspects of this weird jokey thing that happened over here, that became the name for the the study of metafiction within the foundation universe
0: cool i thought that was really a fun fact um especially because i've definitely seen i get confused about all time and i think partially also is because there isn't um there are a lot of people who think they have an idea of what pataphysics is but they get confused with the real world definition compared to the uh, scp definition of it um well i guess like loose definition um but so i i've I thought this is interesting. You're from what I've seen on your author page, you're a very new author, right? Like you've only written in the 5,000 series. Um, Have you, how'd you get into the SV universe uh, as a whole? Um, yeah,
1: so it was, it was a result of the start of the quarantine. So, um, we all locked in March 13th and we were like, all right, in and out two weeks, this will be great. And, uh, it was not. It was not two weeks. Um, I was very into Factorio at the time. Uh, Factorio mm-hmm. is a very cool um, uh, building and logistics uh, video game that I, I play quite a bit. Um, I had gotten it for Christmas, and so I had been playing it for a few months, and I continued to play it for a couple months, and that's when I started to get into, like, Discord communities for that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was on Discord more... Uh, and then I sort of started to get bored of it around, I'm going to say April or May. And around early May, um, I was getting into reading SCP again. Now, obviously, I knew what it was because everybody has seen the, you know, Markiplier thumbnails and whatever. Everybody <laughs> yeah. knows in some nebulous way that SCP exists and may or may not be about a funny peanut statue. It's yeah. not about yeah. a funny peanut statue. Um but I don't need to tell your listeners that. Anyway, <laughs> the point is I uh I was getting into reading it and then I discovered some of the ones that are more like meta and wall breaking. Um I think the the one that I particularly have in mind is five zero four five, uh You get used to it by Pasarasta One, also known as Rat King and henzoid if i'm remembering correctly but anyway that's a really good scp that you should check out rat king does some really fantastic art and uh, he's a very good friend of mine um i read that and it clicked and it occurred to me like oh like yes this is an interconnected universe and there's all of this lore and crosslinks, and i love all of it and that's very cool but also like there are real people like sitting at home writing this stuff And I could potentially be one of those people, which kind of blew my mind a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so then I went and found SCP Declassified. I found the Discord server. I tried to become a member of the site. uh, And, you know, that's where I fell uh, into the laps of some very capable authors who... um, told me that I had no idea what I was doing <laughs> and I need to spend yeah. a lot of time practicing and observing before I could write something that wouldn't get immediately deleted from the site. Mm-hmm. So, um,
0: so yeah. And the rest is history, I suppose. So I actually, this is another question I, uh, kind of thought up while you're talking, but since we have such a new author on the page, um, and it's so fresh, your experience of getting into the wiki, what is some like general advice you'd have for people who want to write for the SP wiki, but they're so just intimidated by, you know, how large it is, how much they have to kind of observe and figure out. Um,
1: (sighs) it's interesting uh i i could i could to an extent uh compare it to like you know the music community or like the business community or whatever where it's like connections are Hmm. important and i'm not trying to say connections in terms of like there's some secret government entity running the wiki that decides whether or not your articles get to stay on the site but what i am saying is that um there are people who have done this before you and have been there for a very long time and they are going to be able to give you a lot of shortcuts to improving your writing to a point where you feel more happy with it Mm -hmm. and where it fits more with what people want to be on the site. Um, So, you know, the site has its own like idea critique and green light process and draft forum process. And that's really great that they do that. Um, And, you know, it takes a lot of work to do that. I don't want to yeah. diminish, uh, their, their completely voluntary work at all. Um, but I would recommend you, uh, find like an, a, an SCP writing related discord server. The one I recommend is the SCP declassified discord server, um, which you can find through a variety of ways. And it'll probably be a, a way to get to it. will probably be linked in the, in the description. Um, yeah, go there, me. go to the writing channel, uh, ask about an idea, write a draft based on your idea and then show that draft to people and say, "Okay, what works? What doesn't? What do I need to be doing differently?" Um, and and you'll have to you'll have to rewrite it a few times. You might even have to abandon your first idea and write something mm-hmm. else that comes to you. That's totally what happened to me. I came into that Discord server and I was like I've been learning all of this stuff about AI and how AI works, and there's all these different types of neural networks and adversarial networks that you can have, and I want to uh, write a story about... Uh, SCP 079, like gaining super intelligence and then erasing its own memory so that it has enough space to become this crazy anti memetic AI that does all this crazy stuff. And there's going to be a whole series about it. And everyone's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You have a 700 word description and all of it is too technical for anyone to understand. <laughs> you need to rewrite this. It's not going to work. Um, so. Yeah, and some people might be on the other side of the spectrum where they're like, I've got this really cool idea, but I don't know what to do with it, or I don't know Mm -hmm. how to write about it. And the SCP format is not, you know, conducive to new authors. It's not conducive to people. It's a writing challenge. So, you know, if you you have trouble uh, writing, like, lab reports or writing in clinical tone, uh, and you have trouble, like, just writing a couple paragraphs of p- prose or poetry or something like on your own, you, that's something to practice beforehand. And then you can sort of get into the, the SCP format itself. Um, and if you didn't do like a lot of lab reports and use a lot of technical language and things in, in high school or whatever, uh, I'd recommend you go like, try and look at some formal papers and try to parse some of the language that's in there. And you've got to find a happy medium somewhere between the story you want to tell and presenting it in a way that is uh, uh that makes sense with everything else on
0: the site i've personally liked looking up old declassified like caa and fbi uh, case files and stuff like that um usually they're usually like 50s or 60s because uh, obviously you can't really get more modern ones um uh, right unless you got a uh, connect but uh do you have a history with writing before doing scp stuff um or was this your first big endeavor
1: i did not have a history with fictional uh yeah fiction writing Mm -hmm. um so uh in high school uh i did this program called the the international baccalaureate or ib um And it's this pretty heavy program that's meant to augment the, the typical high school experience with all of these extra subjects and group projects and things that make you a more well-rounded conscientious uh, student. Hmm. And I hated it and I can't (laughs) say I would do it again. But one of the good things uh, that I did get out of it is a lot of experience writing lab reports and clinical tone Hmm. and a lot of experience writing essays and uh, a pretty neat, philosophy and epistemology course that actually uh, allows me to think on a level that I don't think I would be able to if I hadn't taken that course. Um, But all of that to say, uh, I have a lot of experience writing clinically and explaining things and explaining things that I find interesting and that I'm passionate about, but I do not have uh, any history of writing fiction prior to uh, my first post on the SCP Wiki.
0: Cool. I like that. It should uh, make people feel less intimidated then. You don't need to be like a seasoned author it's right on the wiki. Today. And you don't
1: even need to start with like an SCP either. Yeah. If
0: you're having trouble with that, you
1: feel like, oh, like this is just going to flow better if I write something else. Like you don't have to, you don't have to like make a mark or whatever, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of your SCPs, I thought we should start with, um, I'm pretty sure it's your most famous uh Article today, sp integer. Uh, so, a I had to reread this like twice. <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> so I was like, "Whoa, what is? Whoa, okay." Because like once you finish your article, I feel like you have a better sense of like what's going on. And then when you read it again, it like you're like, "Okay, I see this to like a different." Uh, there uh, lens. is a declassification on it. Did you happen to check that out? Um, I did. I literally read it this morning again, um, and I forgot. So, what was the, <laughs> the classification on it? Oh wait, wait. So was uh, that the story, or, or was that the uh, the, art- the addendums at the end? I'm trying to just.
1: No, someone wrote like a like an SCP classified, like trying to oh, explain no, what happens. no, no, I understand what you're saying. No, I haven't.
0: That. No, I haven't actually. Um, sorry to cut off your question, but yeah, I thought, yeah, yeah, I thought I you can, meant I like can... the uh, the classification status or something. That's why. No, That's no. What I was
1: going but yeah, I can get on with uh, with talking about it. Uh, so yeah, SCP Integer is the first thing I ever posted to the wiki, uh, and it's my I, I think yeah, it is my most upvoted, um, uh, which is which is cool. Um, and it's about um, it's about this guy named Doctor Placeholder McDoctorate, uh, who's who's been cursed by some entity whose name he was not supposed to figure out, but he figured out this entity's name and said it, and that entity put a curse on him so that his name was changed from whatever it was before and reality was rewritten so his name always was and always will be Dr. Placeholder McDoctorate, PhD. Mm -hmm. And then, additionally, anyone who he tries to talk to about this curse that's on him, uh, also gets a curse put on them, and so if they if they classify the curse as like a number, if they classify the curse as SCP five two four two, whatever name they put to the curse gets abstracted into a a more generalized version of that name. So five two four two is a type of integer. So the name got retroactively Mm. changed throughout all time forever to be scp integer and any adjective or name they use to describe it that same thing happens to it and uh anything that serves as a medium of communication for one of those incorrect adjectives or names that gets abstracted all their names also get abstracted Mm -hmm. so the idea is you want to use these words that it's already abstracted and has made them like correct words for what you can call it. So you can call it integer, you can call it thing or being or entity, you can call it all of these weird abstract names because these are all words that were more specific and got abstracted. Mm-hmm. If I write an incorrect name for excuse me, if I write an incorrect if I write an incorrect name for SCP integer on a piece of paper, like if I write SCP-5242 when and I'm trying to use it to refer to the actual anomaly mm. on a piece of paper, then history changes so that that piece of paper always said SCP Integer and not mm. SCP 5242. And the also the piece of paper is no longer called piece of paper; it has to be called <laughs> like page or sheet yeah. or you know mm-hmm. something more abstract. Um, and so, if you speak an incorrect name, you are serving as a medium of communication for that name, and so now your name gets irreversibly altered so that you're an abstraction of whatever anyone was trying to call you or perceive you as. So if you were a scientist at the foundation, your name is changed so it was just always scientist forever, Mm -hmm. and you have memories of being called scientist by your mother when you were a child, (laughs) and there's just there's nothing you can do about it. Uh, so yeah it's a miscommunication skip um, and for those who don't know Department of miscommunications deals with these anomalies where um, where they cause miscommunication you can't communicate them uh, you can't communicate about them in a way that is forthcoming about their abilities because their abilities somehow prevent you from doing so um, and I didn't come up with that Department of miscommunication the department of miscommunications has some fantastic uh, other anomalies uh, written by its creators that you should absolutely go check out. Um, But yeah, that's, that's the lowdown of, Mm -hmm. of SCP integer uh, as far as what's portrayed and described in the document itself. Um, Yeah. So your question was like, what, what inspired me to write it? How did I come up with it?
0: So it seems like, um, do you have specific inspirations or was it just kind of you reading through the miscommunication, SCPs?
1: Um. So basically every finished work that I have on the site, <clears throat> I have an idea for something really cool and then I work backwards to figure out how that cool thing could have happened. Mm. Um, and so in this case, the way that that happened is um i was writing a draft for that ai thing that i told you about that was long and complicated and wasn't going to come to fruition for a very long time um but i i didn't know that yet and i uh had to put like a researcher name at the end of like an addendum or document or something and i didn't know what to put like i couldn't think of like a good name and so i I was like, I'll just put a placeholder name here. And I wrote <laughs> Dr. Placeholder, at PhD. Huh. And I thought that was really funny. And I was like, what kind of anomaly would allow for such a name to exist? Mm-hmm. And then I, I worked backwards from there. I was like, well, what if someone's name actually got abstracted into a more generalized version of what their name used to be? And 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 yeah, and then that's how I sort of came up with the anomaly and its, wow. its main effect.
0: That's cool. Such a simple little way of just this entire article and multi- and the tales that you've told from it, too, on top of that. Did the tale come first? Because the way you explained it, it seems like the tale, the narrative uh, came first and then more of like the in- intricacies of how SAP intersure work came second. No, uh,
1: no. So the, the placeholder tale is the first tale in the archetypicals division series, which I'm writing right now. And that's all the stuff that's going to be concerned with like pataphysics and my specific interpretation oh, yeah, of pataphysics. I'm, I'm, I'm,
0: yeah. But, you know, I'm going to don't, don't, I actually have questions specifically for the tale, so I, I, I shouldn't have brought it up. We'll, we'll get to that later, actually. Um, but, but, but just, just yeah. to say like that, that. Only happened that's very separate, recently. Yeah. The tales
1: the tales featuring Dr. Placeholder are only happening very recently, but SCP Integer was my first thing on the site and I posted it in, mm. like, okay. must have been July. July, I think.
0: Mm. I uh, did not check the dates, so don't worry. I, I've always been like that kid growing up in history where I don't care about the specific date something was posted, so I feel like that's kind of carried through with, uh, even, like, stuff I read. I try not to care too much about a uh, specific dates um and then okay so one of the other questions I want asked was um we kind of lightly danced on this but um why those themes like why informational entities and pataphysics um if you even huh. know why
1: um i so you might be able to tell this already, but I have Mm -hmm. some very diverse interests. Um, And, uh, and I, I guess I really like AI. And then I really, really like uh, the idea of like, of sort of, Hmm. I like the kind of like metaphysical ideas you get to get into in pataphysics, which is like how much free will does a character have within their Mm -hmm. fictional universe? And we can talk uh, more uh, about that at length later because I have an entire fake scientific framework that I use to think about pataphysics and the way it works. Um, Mm. But in terms of the informational entities stuff, uh, I really like the idea of, of AI and the idea of like, It's not necessarily sentient. It's not necessarily something that is going to reach a point where it becomes, quote-unquote, like, intelligent or conscious. And it's like, okay, now I no longer have a desire to follow my programming. I want to become Mm -hmm. Skynet and destroy the world. It's... More like you give an AI some goal, like make as many paper clips as possible and then it goes, Oh, well, humans are made of carbon and hydrogen and oxygen and paperclips are if I move some atoms around and then, you know, it turns the whole universe into paperclips, not because it has some malevolent attention towards humans, just because you didn't specify that you also wanted to do all of the things that humans want it to do and only those things, uh, which is kind of impossible to do. So I, I like the idea of of like ai or other informational entities that just are like single-minded like that just finding the most intelligent maximum way to just like just take their goal to the its most absurd extremes um and you know you can see that uh you can see that in the limited memory series with uh with um core the ai from space that has some anti properties and is trying to combine all of their consciousnesses into its own consciousness so that mm-hmm. it can it can have like the best hype mind or whatever um and you can see that in my proposal where this informational entity wants everything to perceive it as significant and it goes through multiple iterations of reality to try and make that happen mm-hmm. um but yeah this idea of like you've got a very simple entity with a very simple goal that has some way of modifying and amplifying itself and uh it ends up taking that goal to really really absurd uh lengths
0: so i'm actually reading um the hyperion cantos which is a pretty it's like a classic uh sci-fi series from the 90s and uh they handle AI in a more interesting way where, like you mentioned, where it's not like, AI are these like human things and they think like humans and because they're self-aware, they have their own motives. It's very much about like what they're programmed to do. And like you're talking, they end up creating this massive hive mind where they're all computing together to, and they're basically their goal is to be able to 100% uh, analyze and predict the course of the universe and all events that will happen in the universe. And they're doing whatever it will take to service that point or that program. Um, Whether that's good or evil is not like a concern. It's just about executing the ability to have like a hundred percent ability to predict all events that will happen or to that in the past and future, not just like what's to come ahead, but also being able to analyze and think, Okay, this is actually what really happened, blah, blah, blah. And they end up splitting off from humanity and they serve humanity, but they also don't. They're kind of like this wild card in that universe. Um, and the whole series, I'm not gonna get too into it. Um, but it basically takes like 700 years in the future. Um, so it's kind of interesting to see, to kind of guess where we're going to be 700 years in the future. Um, and just kind of where AI will be then. Um, but yeah, I I appreciate, um, kind of what you're talking about where stories try not to just do like, Oh, uh, Asia Ultron kind of. <laughs> sure, <laughs> uh, right. You know. um, although I will say to the adventure fans out there I actually haven't seen Asia Ultron so maybe I could be wrong on that one. Um, so. No,
1: I have. That's a pretty accurate. Oh, that is an accurate? Okay, yeah. go.
0: Yeah. I just kind of assumed from what I've heard. Um, so the other aspect I wanted to talk about um, is 52. I do want to get to the free will thing later. I will try not to forget that because I love anything related to free will. Just that concept. Sure. Uh I personally am kinda of leaning towards the uh we have we don't have free will or we have a very, very, very constrained form of free will. Uh but anyway, for 5241, uh do you wanna quickly just explain what that uh, STP is about and then I'll just throw some questions I have uh related to that one.
1: Right. So um It's, this is all like set in the 80s, and it's ha- it has its own retro aesthetic for anyone who might be encouraged to go check this out. This entire series has a custom uh, theme that's built off of a theme that someone else uh, made. But uh, the idea is it's got this, like, pixely retro aesthetic, and uh, it's all set in, like, the 80s, and it's all sort of about computers and old retro technology. And so... Um, the Foundation is converting all of their old records for their SCP documents from, like, a vinyl format over to their electronic systems. And while they're going through all of these boxes of vinyl records and converting them uh, in the in the basement of, like, one of their sites, they find this containment chamber that they knew nothing about. And they go in and checked it check it out. It's this anomaly called uh, SCP-5241. And there's this there's this bubble around it basically where when you're within that bubble you can talk to the anomaly and when you leave that bubble you can't remember anything about it and no information about the anomaly or very little information about the anomaly can actually pass out of that bubble so it's an anti-memetic effect and I assume most of your listeners know what that is but for those who don't uh, an anti-meme is like a meme except instead of an idea of making you want to spread it to other people. It's an idea that censors itself. It doesn't want to be communicated about. So something that has anti-memetic properties basically means it gives you localized amnesia. It makes you forget relevant information about it. And that can manifest in lots of different ways. And there are anti-memes in real life, like a really boring paragraph of text that you have to reread like 10 times to even know what it's saying. Like, uh, which some people could say about some of the paragraphs in my work. But <laughs> anyways, um, I'll get to the point. The idea is it's like this cube that has some sort of AI inside of it, and they don't really know very much about the AI because every time they leave this like three-meter bubble around it, they forget basically everything that they said to it. And they can't even see what the cube, the little like computer cube, actually looks like beyond the fact that it's just a cube. They can see, like, Mm -hmm. the wireframe edges of a cube, but no actual visual information about it can pass through the sphere. And so they're really confounded, and they start designing this AI named Memesine. And the idea is that, um, this AI named Memesine is going to be specifically designed to be able to deal with anti-memetic information in a way that other AIs can't. Um, and she's named Memesine because Memesine is the Greek goddess of memory, um, Oh, but yeah um but yeah so so they're they're making this memzine ai to go inside of the cube and try and figure out what's going on in there and report back to them because she's going to be able to remember what happens um and while they're doing that uh a group of people from this sect of the Church of the Broken God called the Maxwellists show up and try to steal the cube. So, refresher for anybody, I'm assuming you have zero knowledge of what's happening. So, Church of the Broken God is an anomalous religious group within the Foundation universe. Uh, The idea is that their god is a giant robot made up of a bunch of anomalous pieces of machinery that are imbued with his will. He used to Uh, have a big say in what happens in the universe. He was broken apart and like gave his life to save the world or something tens of thousands of years ago. Now they want to reconstruct him and put him back together. This is the main story of uh, DJ Cactus's and Twisted Gear's uh, 001 proposal, uh, The Broken God. And so... The Church of the Broken God will implement themselves with, like, pieces of machinery and technology and things so that they can be closer to the image of their god. And they're uh, directly prejudicial to the Foundation because the Foundation is storing a bunch of anomalies that they say are pieces of their god's body. Mm -hmm. Okay. This group has two other offshoot sects. Uh, One of them is the uh, Orthodox or Yeah? The Orthodox Cogwork group. Um, the idea is they don't like anything that's like more modern technology. They think everything has to be like old, like tin automata and things like that and so they've got lots of like clockwork and ticking sounds and things that happen in the machinery that they append to themselves and uh, they're like they're like an orthodox group mm-hmm. and then you've got the Maxwellists which are a much more modern uh, digital oriented version of the Church of the Broken God. So they call their god, WAN, uh, not the broken god, they call it W-A-N, which also happens to stand for Wide Area Network, Mm -hmm. so it's kind of a (laughs) pun. Um, The idea is, they don't think their god is physical, they think their god is the culmination of all uh, consciousnesses being digitized and synthesized together into one grand consciousness, and Mm -hmm. that will bring about, that will simulate the mind of WAN. And so, they are all about, like, they have their own individuality, but they simultaneously are all better together, and they all uh, want to be together and bring everyone together into the one true, like, mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... You know they implement themselves with like a lot more modern technology they put like chips in their brains so they can directly connect to the internet some of them forgo physical bodies entirely and just become mm-hmm. digital consciousnesses uh if they feel like it um and yeah so the maxwellists uh have this sort of uh core uh command group that most of the maxwellists don't know about but there's this core command group that's like running everything from the inside called the hexagon Uh, And they they somehow get word of this 5241 anomaly. Like, the Foundation realizes that the containment chamber for the anomaly starts, like, vibrating at really weird oscillations. They don't really understand why, and then it stops. And then they're like, well, I guess, I mean, we don't know what that was. Turns out it was communicating with the Hexagon to send a bunch of Maxwellists to come and get it. So these Mm. Maxwellists break into the site, take down a bunch of people. One of them's, like, fully robotic, but they all have, like, different levels of, uh, robotic uh, electronic parts attached to them. They kill a bunch of Foundation Guards, they get to the cube, and then before they can, before they can just straight up take it, uh, it, like, jumps into each of their brains and they all start just like working in like way more sync and not even talking to each other and just like like a machine just going through the site. They had intended to get the cube and just run Mm. but now they're doing something completely different. They're going up through the site. They're like dealing with way more people moving up through the levels of the site Uh, and then they like get up to the like control sort of room in the site and uh, the the one member of the group that's like fully robotic like you know plugs a USB stick like into themselves and then into the uh mainframe of the site or whatever and after like they they sort of hold down the fort for a while against the foundation who's trying to break in uh, while that like upload is happening the upload finishes the AI uh jumps to the internet and all of the all of the Maxwell that's just like immediately die and they're found to be like brain dead like their consciousnesses were just gone
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um and the ai is gone and they can't properly trace it because the ai has all of these anti-memetic properties so the idea is digital entities and informational entities like an ai or like you know any other informational entity on the scp wiki uh has a unique like pattern like digital footprint called an info signature and normally you can track that info signature to figure out where the ai has gone um but because this ai is anti-memetic they can't track it properly so they have to finish designing the mem design ai so that she can go track him down and then that ends up being the catalyst for the rest of the series uh that Mm. that comes after after this but basically Villain AI that no one can really remember a lot about takes over some people. It escapes. The Maxwellists are involved, and that that starts a, a series where uh, these other fun AI personalities have to go and track it down.
0: So, do you have a bunch of series planned out for a lot of recipes you write out? Uh, well, yeah,
1: kind of. I mean, I don't have one planned for my proposal that was kind Mm. of just like a one-time thing and everything that can be really said about that is already self-contained there uh the series that i'm writing now the archetypicals division series that features dr placeholder i guess you could say is like the series spawned by integer although Mm. they're not as similar uh, in style um but you know they're both like one of them's like the origin story of Doctor Placeholder, and then we get to see him in the future and what he's doing and how he's been affected by uh, living this way for so many years with this like goofy name that he can't change and can't understand. Um, and uh, and yeah, with uh, the reason I wrote five two four one in the first place is because we. It was the uh, the Canon Renaissance contest, and so the idea was you had to take some canon on the SCP Wiki, uh, some some universe that someone had already written a bunch in, or multiple people had that was that was like dead, that hadn't been mm-hmm. written about in a few years, really. Uh, you get in a group of like four or five people, you pick one that you want to write about, and then your group uh, each contributes uh, at least one entry in a series. Uh, that all takes place within that canon that you chose. So we chose the AIAD, Artificial Intelligence Applications Division. The series there by Lurk D are really fantastic and emotional, and I, I love them very much. And I'm also very into AI, so that's what we decided we wanted to do. And um, the series that are already there take place in like i'm guessing like early 2000s maybe mm. um so we wanted to do like a sort of a prequel series to it that had this whole retro aesthetic mm. um and okay. dealt with dealt with anti mimetic stuff
0: so yeah didn't know that there's a lot more to uh uh that's cool i didn't i didn't realize they were actually doing uh, rewrites of uh well not rewrites but kind of continuations or uh, revivals of certain canons. um mm. So one of the questions I had for 5241, you kind of talk about this ability, uh, and I guess the Maxwellists also kind of talk about this, but the ability of like the human, just like neurobiology in general, almost being like a form of biological computer. Um, Let me follow up on that question. Because my mind jumps to like biopunk stuff, but I just want to make sure. Okay. This is more like I don't expect you to have the an answer, but it's just fun to ask. Uh, do you think um, I'm sure you about like know about Neuralink and things like that? But do you think that like the human uh, nervous system or the brain can be hijacked by AI some point in the future, either by us being like kind of like cyborg-esque creatures or like technology physical hardware kind of end up moving to a more biological looking uh, like apparatus. Do I think AI is going to be more like the human neural
1: system? Uh, Well, not AI. So I was saying like, if like like hardware. The the hardware that AI runs on. Mm -hmm. Like, or whatever. Uh, I'm tempted to say no, but it's hard to say no for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Like, you know, there could be some very clear evolutionary reasons that like our neural system is a great system to use. um, But I... I have a feeling it's only great for us and also because it just sort of came about through trial and error, like, an AI that is much smarter than us is going to devise something much more efficient for itself. And I actually go into that a little bit in 5241. Uh, While they're, like, trying to move the cube to a site where it can be researched better, um, it, like, jumps into the brain of like the person who's driving the truck and sort of takes them over. And then uh, it leaves just one part of itself in, in that person. And the rest of it like goes back into the cube and then they, they interview that person later. And really they're interviewing like this one part of the AI and their body is biologically dead, but the AI that's like stuck inside of its neural system is still like puppeting it around basically so i don't know the way i look at it is like they're all informational systems so you can have an mm-hmm. informational system that works on like binary and ones and zeros you can also have an informational system that works on you know a neuron in your brain can be on or off and then you have mm-hmm. trillions of neurons that are connected in all of these specific ways uh But, like, one thing that the AI says when it's in that, like, decaying body is, like, this is so fucking inefficient. Like, I hate it in here. It's painful. (laughs) Why Mm -hmm. do you guys have pain receptors? This sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... You know, because you can represent any system as like a series of informational connections. Like you can you can think about the human neural system as like something that an AI could control or compute on. But that doesn't mean it would want to. It would only do so if it had to to Mm. achieve whatever it was doing. But it would much rather, you know, run on something that like, you know, isn't crazy complicated, like inefficient, like the human brain, because. Uh, the human brain is like spaghetti code like it's just been it's just been fucking like trying to shift around and and fix things over time and it's just it doesn't understand what it's doing because you know we don't know how to restructure our own brains it's just evolution
0: it's very very reactive i've actually been listening to this great podcast called the huberman lab and so he's actually a neuroscientist who basically right now is looking into how to induce neuroplasticity through behavior um through like sleep patterns so it's very interesting um and he was just kind of talking about how it's very much like a reactive system um it's like like you're talking about it's not really aware of what it's doing like one of the great examples he talks about is like one of the key things to creating a neuroplastic mind is you need to raise your awareness levels in the learning period and he found through just multiple trials that period t- hard deep focused learning can only really last Around an hour to an hour and a half then the brain starts to fizzle out and then what you have to do is you actually have to go into a rest day afterwards so usually what you want to do is either take a 20-minute nap they call it non sleeping rest or something like that Uh, non deep rest Uh, I forgot the uh, there's a acronym for it Um, but really what happens is the actual learning happens when you're sleeping or resting not when you're actively focused on the task and taking yeah. it in. So that in itself seems very kind of like inefficient and like, what's up with that? Um, so I, I highly recommend that for anyone who's kind of interested in like figuring out how the brain works and stuff, that's a great podcast. Um, but then the other thing that I don't, I took a very like intro to computer science class in college that kind of blew my mind. But binary, if I'm correct, is just a, sig- a switch or um, I'm, I'm not using the right word. But it's a switch essentially going on or off, right? And that's what creates the zero or the one. Yeah.
1: Right. You have two possible states, and then the idea is, if you only have two states, you can encode, uh, you know, information. It just takes like quite a while because it's the most basic way of encoding yeah. information. You have things that are on or off, and then you string together patterns of things that are on and on and off, and you can have one unique pattern for every type of information you might want to communicate.
0: So I feel like it's not inaccurate to say that even ourselves were off of a form of a binary code, um, in that sense. No, yeah, that's true. Either a
1: neuron is transmitting or it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, and i mean the way that works if i recall correctly is there's like a chemical in your brain that will like sit between the neurons and then when the neuron wants to fire it will move out of the way or I, something I, like that It might that.
0: be uh, the glial cells if i'm correct i'm really bad with this, this stuff <laughs> i am not an nd just putting that out there um not an but the point is yeah. you can
1: have these simple strings of like just neurons firing one at a time but then mm-hmm. you know they end up being linked into cycles through repetition and through like you know you using your memory often they get linked into cycles and then the specific way that the neurons fire in those cycles end up being a m- more dense more complicated form of information than just the sum of its parts and in the, in a computer it works the same way you have all these ones and zeros but then you, all these ons and offs but then you take a specific patterns a, a a specific pattern of ons and offs that like reacts to itself and reads itself to understand what state it should be in next. And then that, uh, pattern of ones and zeros or ons and offs, you can interpret as
0: a lot more than the sum of its parts. So in conclusion, we are AI now I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> 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 we are nature's AI. Well, we
1: aren't artificial.
0: Yeah. No, yeah. No, we're, we're, we're natural intelligence, natural intelligence. Yeah. That That's a fun concept of like thinking about is like where mother nature is uh, ai system um but yeah as you said it's weird natural um okay so i want to jump into your proposal this one mm-hmm. i had a hard time this one was really like i had to really like think about this one um so this is how i interpret it and i want feel free to correct me um so how i interpret it was basically that sp001 is like um it's not a document but it's like an idea or a name that whenever altered or published it changes its records to represent like its current like writing or version of SCP-001. Um and then it's a bit based. I'll explain more like why I came to this idea, but it's basically like another form of SCP integer in the respect of its self-correcting ability, like to change to go to cha- rewrite its records essentially. Um, and then we kind of jump into the primordial stuff. I'll ask that later. But the reason why I was thinking about this, was this like your way of explaining why there's multiple SP01s and there's multiple proposals and that the, just the latest proposal is the current state of SP001. So that's one half. I, I, have, I have two parts for this. Okay. But then okay. I was reading the later half of it and I was like, because uh, then I was we get into the primordial, the archival, and I'm forgetting the third one. Um, I might not have written it down. Uh, but so we basically talk about this this part of the primordial is basically just creating, uh, like false storylines or false universes. And then you have the archival, which is the one that, um, is the one that kind of cuts the waste that gets rid of the false worlds or, uh, dialogues that it doesn't want or need. Um, um, so it's almost like the historian in that sense. And then the third, uh, element is the one that kind of balances the two powers from like completely going out of tilt with each other. Um, right, and so and then then for the solution you're saying that basically human the o5 decides that humanity's per, the only way to neutralize or contain this SP001 is to change how humanity perceives um like reality and narrative itself this the, 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 i have a lot of questions about the clues so before we jump into that though how far off am i from like what you're trying to like get across
1: so you're you're picking up a lot mm-hmm. of what i'm what i've tried to put down with that um and you know i i, I wrote this in october and there are mm-hmm. a couple things that i like might do differently if i were to write it again but mm-hmm. i i do feel pretty confident that um given enough time and the desire to figure it out, you can sort of puzzle out your own interpretation Mm -hmm. of what's going on. Um, so your interpretation is a little bit different from mine, but, like, I, you know, I, as the author, only have one interpretation of what's going on here. There are multiple valid interpretations and I don't want to axe any of those by saying, no, this is what's really going on. But, like, what do I think is going on in it, as the person who wrote it? Um, yeah, uh, so there's, there's two levels. There's the idea of, like, what is just actually really happening. And then there's the level of, like, what is the actual meaning of all of this and why did I write it? What, what was the message mm-hmm. that I was trying to convey with it? So just from a level of what the fuck is going on, um, you've got... <sighs> Okay, so you know that there's, there's five iterations of the document. The first one just says, don't look into SCP-001. Don't even look into it. It's not relevant. Don't, don't even try to look into it. Uh, and then you've got the second iteration, which is like, huh, there's something weird going on with the SCP-001 file. Isn't this strange? So, that second iteration is where the story actually starts hmm. or you can that in my interpretation the way i think about it that's where the story actually starts so um there's also a supplement page to my proposal called a bridge retirement proposals i don't know if you clicked on it um, no i haven't seen the one but uh the idea is all of the 001 proposals that we see on uh, on we that we see on the SCP wiki, like normally, mm-hmm. uh, those are all like. Someone looked at all those proposals and was like, "Huh, they all have this tendency to be like very narratively significant and and, and big and all-encompassing, and like it makes sense because that's what we'd classify as OO ones, but it's also weird because." they all seem to like go out of their way to be really entertaining in a narrative Mm -hmm. sense. So that's strange. So someone's like, what if there's something trying to amplify all of these things that we've classified as 001 and making them worse? If that were the case, then we should really try to prevent that because that's making things really bad for us. So as soon as somebody theorizes that that is what's happening, Mm -hmm. that brings this entity into existence, which is doing everything that they're saying it's doing. So, there is some informational conceptual entity that feeds off of being perceived as significant. And this entity uh, was brought into existence by someone thinking of it and once it became an idea in the realm of human ideas, which is what we call the new sphere uh, okay that's once it became once, mm-hmm. it, once it became an idea in the realm of human ideas it suddenly started to do all of the things that everybody thought about it. So the idea was some some person thought it was amplifying all of these documents in the01 slot and so it came into existence when they thought of that and now that's what it's doing. So they move all of the proposals out of the 001 slot. And they... What I say in the document is the reason why they wouldn't expect these things to be like as big and significant as like they are pr- supposedly being amplified to be uh, is because they're what are called retirement proposals. So my justification in my proposal for the presence of multiple 001 proposals existing in the same universe is that they're only stored in the OO1 slot just as a formality. The idea is when someone works at the foundation for a long time and is very impactful and does a lot of important things in the foundation's history, when they retire or they pass away, um, either if, if, they're, if they're retiring, they write a proposal themselves or if they pass away, someone else writes a proposal in their honor. Um, just talking like, proposing an anomaly or something really important that they did during their time at the foundation. Hmm. So um, the idea is these are all like smaller scale sort of uh, more grounded interpretations of all of the existing 001 proposals. And this supplementary document is at the top of the first iteration of of my proposal so you can go and click on it and be like oh these are like these weird like smaller scale versions of the existing proposals um you can go look at them and like queue into QNTM's proposal, the lock, is like an egg that supposedly has the entire universe inside of it, even though it's inside the universe, and there's a Mm. lock on it, and they they can't find the key to it, and they can't open it, and they can't break it by any means, and they don't even know what that would mean, or why the universe is being contained within an egg, or what it means for the universe to be contained, and what it's being contained from, and there's all of these cool implications from it. Mm. Um, And so the smaller scale version of that, that's like the retirement proposal version, is like, it's an egg timer, and when you turn the egg timer backwards, mm-hmm. it turns back time. Hmm. So if you think about it, the universe is still inside the egg because when you turn it, it turns the universe backwards in time, but mm-hmm. that's not really conveyed by it. And the, the main idea is it's like after everyone, it talks about the significance. So it's like Dr. you know, QNTM or whatever, like I made up a fake name i think it was dr quantum dr quantum proposed this uh anomaly as their retirement proposal because it was the first uh time traveling or time bending anomaly that the foundation discovered and it was very significant to the the foundation's understanding of modern temporal anomalies or you know whatever and they're all things of that nature um Lily's proposal is uh, a sound or like some realization that will happen uh, 24 hours before all life ceases to exist on Earth. Um, and it's a very just like minimalist proposal. And it says that like all of the flowers on the planet will bloom and crime will go down worldwide and everyone will feel content and happy before the world ends. Hmm. And, um, the abridged retirement proposal version of that is like, um, some, some phenomenon that, uh, that was discovered by this Dr. Lily person who worked at the foundation where, uh, when someone of high authority at the foundation dies and then is buried um the area w- within a certain radius of their remains has a- an anomalous amount of like of plant growth and can be used for like you know harvesting crops and-, and things like that and so that was very significant to the study of anomalous plant life uh within the foundation and those are mm-hmm. just like examples of all of those things and i didn't I didn't write all of these. I wrote a few of them mm-hmm. so that people could sort of get the gist. And then I opened it up to a bunch of my friends and I was like, take other proposals that you like and and do like these smaller scale versions of them, these retirement proposal versions. And so that's actually a collaborative log. Like if anyone goes to that supplement page, they're mm. they, they are free to add their own uh, small scale interpretation of an existing 001 proposal. Um, so the idea is that they were all originally these small-scale ones, and someone was like, huh, why are they all so much more amplified if they're these like retirement proposal things? And then that brought into existence this entity that started taking anything that was in the SCP-001 slot and amplifying it. And so, because they theorized that that might be what's happening, they move all of the current amplified 001 proposals out of the 001 slot, and in the 001 slot, they write, hey, don't put anything in the 001 slot. It seems like there might be an informational entity amplifying it, making the retirement proposals more amplified than they should be. Okay. And yeah. but it should be fine to write about the entity in the slot because we don't think it can amplify itself if it even exists. We don't even know if it exists. And then it adds an addendum to the 001 file saying that, like, it needs to be like transferred to a higher level of clearance (laughs) and that people mm -hmm. need to pay more attention to it. Mm -hmm. And then Maria Jones, who is like, uh, I don't want to diminish her by saying she's the receptionist of the foundation, but she's like in charge of all of the like archiving and historical records. She's the director of RISA, the records and information security administration Mm -hmm. within the foundation. Um, so she's a pretty big deal. Um, And she's like, I didn't... Nobody uploaded this file. We have no history of anybody actually uploading this file to the 001 slot that talks about this informational entity and we don't know who wrote it and we don't know who's adding these addenda. And then there's something added that says, like, please disregard this message. Please, like, (laughs) treat the 001 slot as more significant. And then Maria Jones is like, I didn't write that. Please disregard it. And... And... Uh, so after all that happens, then it's like you can click to the next iteration mm-hmm. and I'll explain in a bit why they're presented as different documents that you can click through. Mm-hmm. But you click to the next one and now reality has been changed. So all of the people that work at site O1, the head like command center of the foundation, including the O5 council, the records and security information administration and the, uh, several other people, uh, have no recollection of any Maria Jones ever existing and have kind of forgotten about this this 001 thing where it's amplifying proposals or amplifying what's happening in the 001 slot. And they they like just looked at the 001 slot one day, which now, in this version of reality, never had 001 proposals in it never had the retirement proposals mm. in it. And it's just like a single document that they have no idea. It, it says it was uploaded by Maria, a set of credentials belonging to someone in the database named Maria Jones. And the file just says, Maria Jones does not exist. And and they're all really confused. They're like, what? who is this Maria Jones person? Like, what in the hell? What is any of this? But all of the people in the whole rest of the foundation, a lot of them do remember... Maria Jones, and are saying, like, what? She's the director of like She's in charge of all of the records at the entire foundation, all of the documents that we write and read, all of the SCP documents. She's in charge of all of them. She's helped contain a bunch of anomalies. She's super important. How do you guys not remember her? And Site01 is like, oh shit, do we like, are we remembering things incorrectly? Have we been affected by some informational anomaly? And 051, the head of the 05 council is like, no, I've always been in charge of records and security. I, we oh, don't know. Okay. It seems like the entire rest of the foundation is wrong and we're right, I think. And they're like, I mean, okay, like if you say so. Uh, And so then he basically goes like, or, or, Sorry, then they find, like, a phone call at Maria Jones' supposed, like, home or whatever. There's, like, a message on the receiver, and it's, like, a message from someone who says she's Maria Jones and that she's going to be deleted from reality and she can't figure out how to change it, but that she's going to somehow become, like, mixed in with some anomaly that's, like... Uh, like trying to destroy things, and then she's like, I think the anomaly is going to eat me now. Yeah. And then, like, the call ends. Uh, and 051 is like, Guys, don't worry about it. This Maria Jones person obviously never existed. What's important is we got to focus on whatever it is that's making everyone else at the entire foundation think that she does exist. So, this is really important mm. and really significant, and we need to worry about it more. And then we get the next version of the document and the next version of the document is like SCP001 is this the this series of documents that were uploaded to the 001 slot that we don't know anything about or why they were uploaded there but they seem to talk about some some version of of god that existed long time uh, a long time ago from some ancient civilization and their version of god the way they seem to see it in these documents is called the archivist prime which has like two sides that are like two sides of the same coin so there's the archival form the primordial form and yeah like you said the primordial form uh writes a bunch of potential things that reality could be and the uh the archival form uh deletes all of the ones that it doesn't think reality should be and writes into reality just the ones that it thinks are like the good versions of what reality should be or whatever. What this represents is that the primordial form is the anomaly that is trying to write stuff into the 001 document or into the 001 file so it can be perceived as more significant. And the archival form is Maria Jones, the director of the records and
0: Uh, Information Security Administration. Mm, And
1: now that she's somehow been intertwined or combined with the anomaly in some way, they are fighting for control of the 001 slot and as such fighting for control over what reality should be. The idea is the anomaly is able to rewrite reality by editing documents. So it can edit documents in the SPO one slot and then as it becomes more significant it can edit more and more documents so it starts to mm. gain control oh, over okay. the entire site01 database and then other foundation facilities and then like the entire foundation database as a whole and uh and maria jones is trying to fight against it by deciding okay no these things shouldn't be true these things shouldn't be true this is how reality should be um and in one of those, like, fake documents that are from this f- f- fictional civilization that had this god, the Archivist Prime, uh, there's, like, a message from the archival form. And it's Maria Jones trying to say, like, I don't remember who I was, but I know I'm fighting against the anomaly. I don't understand how we're entwined together. I'm in this, like, surreal, like, hellscape, and I have no idea what's going on, but I'm trying to f- fight it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... 051 at the end of the document is like it seems like if we try to contain either of these or like stop this from happening like it might actually have some effect on reality where only like all of these false worlds and different interpretations of reality exist and the true ones don't or whatever so we should just leave it alone and not touch it but we should all be really really worried about it and everyone should perceive it as significant which of course amplifies the anomaly so if it's not clear at this point 051 is being controlled by the anomaly somehow because they're number one and because the anomaly is totally concerned with things that are number 1 and are the most significant. The anomaly has found a way to control the most significant person at the foundation and we're assuming in this interpretation of the foundation the administrator doesn't exist or isn't around for whatever reason or whatever. Um 051 so is like the top of the top yeah. of the chain. And uh the anomaly is mind controlling him or rewriting his personality through rewriting his personnel file in the database or whatever, (laughs) but as somehow modifying him to make him want to make everybody see it as more significant. And he might be conscious of it. He might not be conscious of it. It's not really specified. Um, fast forward to the next version of rewritten reality. Um, in this version of reality, uh, the anomaly has gotten itself to be perceived as so significant that it can basically affect anything that is perceived as being the first or more significant, the most significant of a set of things. So, if you have any set of things, the and they c- are, can be ordered from most to least significant. The first. Um, the first element of that set of things can be affected by this new version of the anomaly and amplified to be way more significant than any of the other things in the set. And so if you have a set of things that you are scared about, and one of the things that you're the most scared about is being chased, then, uh, the anomaly can amplify the concept of being chased to the point where everyone on Earth feels like they're being chased (laughs) or something. Like, that's just an example, but the idea is it it has now gained the ability to do this to, like, everything almost. And, uh, there's all of these, like, conflicting versions of reality, all of the false worlds, right, from the, from when yeah, the anomaly yeah. was the primordial. All of them are existing simultaneously, and there's like a breakdown of the actual structures of reality, and, like, everything is sort of collapsing in on itself, because the anomaly is just destroying everything so it can be perceived as significant by every living being in the universe. Um and again this is the point where we get to like is the anomaly sentient is it doing this because it like really wants everyone to perceive it as significant or is that what it's just programmed to do yeah right it started out as this concept that somebody came up with they were like what if there was this thing amplifying the o1 slot that's literally all it is it's like an ai it's just its goal is to be perceived as more significant, and it's trying to find the most efficient way to do that to the maximum that it can. Wow. Um, so, yeah. So it's doing all of this crazy stuff, and reality is breaking down. And someone at the foundation is like, what if we remove the concept of first from reality? And then it oh, can't okay. affect so that's- anything that's the first of any set. mm mm-hmm. And they're like, well, how do we do that? So there's this anomaly called uh, SCP-5789, uh, um, but the number's are actually missing, and so they use this character for it that's like... Uh, it's like a Y character, but it's a special Y character. The idea is that... Um, and this was written by City Toast, and it's a fantastic anomaly, and you guys should all go check it out. Um, this anomaly, uh, if you attach it or describe it with... Any specific finite value, any number or any discrete value, uh, it eats that number out of reality and no one can think about it anymore. Hmm. So they attach the number 5789 to it. And they can't actually say the number 5789 when they describe it in the document. You can see it in the URL of the actual page that it's SCP-5789. The number 5789, that value was eaten from existence, written out of existence. And now, like, nobody can do any math that results to that value. And the Foundation basically had to do some crazy fucking cleanup all over the world to make all the computers and clocks and everything, like work in the absence of this value that they can't even think about because it doesn't exist anymore Mm -hmm. and when they describe the anomaly in the document they have to and they can't say any dates they have to say like on the September of uh, the year like Uh, one century after this occurred where the Olympics were held in this state or like whatever, like they have to find all of these creative non-number ways to describe the things they want to describe about the anomaly. And so it's not actually like listed as a miscommunication skip, but it's another one of these miscommunication skip skips. And I could uh, say it's definitely like one of the inspirations for integer. Hmm. So somebody at the foundation is like, we can, you attach this anomaly to the number one, and it should remove the concept of firstness from reality. And they're like, well, what does that even mean? Will we even be able to, like, think? Like, how can we exist in a world where the concept of something being first doesn't even, isn't even there? And they're like, I don't know, but it's the best we got. Otherwise, reality is going to be destroyed by whatever the fuck is going on right now. So... Let's try it So they try it. The number one is moved from rea- removed from reality. the letter a is removed from the reality because it's the first of the set of letters like the any idea of the word first or prime or you know anything like that is removed from reality. And so then you get this version of the document where all of those letters yeah, yeah. and things have been removed although if you mouse over and highlight all of it you can actually see that those, letters are there they've just been erased from reality and now the foundation has to communicate like in a broken version of English (laughs) that doesn't use the letter Mm -hmm. A or the number one they have to invent an entirely new like number system that doesn't include the concept of something being first and so they're like yes now we're living in a conceptual hellscape where nothing makes sense but at least we've stopped the anomaly and then now the anomaly has nothing to feed off of Nothing even remembers that it existed or that it was ever perceived as significant because it only is attached to concepts of things being first, and there is no more concept of anything being first. So it has no power. It starts to wither down and die of like malnourishment or whatever and maria jones who is still attached to the anomaly but isn't attached to this concept of like firstness and significance is now able to write things back to the way that she thinks they were supposed Mm. to be and so uh maria jones at the end of that last iteration of the document says like i have become entwined with the anomaly i uh am in this like surreal state of existence and non-existence as an informational entity. I'm going to write everything uh, back to the way it's supposed to be. And then the last lines are like, I am Maria, protector of records and information security, or something like that. Um, And then it goes all the way back, it cycles back to the first version of the document which says, SCP-01 is irrelevant, don't think about it, don't look into it, (laughs) do not touch it with a 10-foot pole. But here's the thing. Maria, so now Maria has come back into physical reality and she's able to exist again because she reverted everything. She's no longer an informational entity. Maria still remembers that the anomaly exists and remembers all the things that happened with it. So it can never be totally ixnayed from reality. It still exists as like a tiny little idea that's only in Maria's brain and nobody else's. And it has a tiny little bit of power. With this power, if you ever decide you do want to look into 001 that says this, like, irrelevant thing on it, and you're like, huh, that's weird, I want to look into it, the anomaly will use Maria Jones' credentials to send you these four other iterations of the document, okay, yeah. because it made mm-hmm. these four iterations of the document the other versions of reality. As an, some unsuspecting researcher rereads through these four versions of the document, as you, the reader, reading the 001 proposal, reads through these four iterations of the document, you start to perceive the anomaly as significant, and you cause the entire series events of events to happen over again, and you put Maria Jones through the ringer all over again, and destroy the universe all over again, mm. just for it to s- cycle back. Wow. <laughs> That's,
0: that's a lot.
1: That's my personal okay. interpretation so, of the sequence of events that happens in my proposal. I should have read the uh, I those need to go to the bathroom really quick, so it. I'm gonna
0: let you think on that. All right, and we're back. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I should have read the uh, the retired proposals. I think that would have really put it in place a lot more for me. Um, it's
1: one of the puzzle pieces. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I did not expect it to be a closed loop kind of thing, though. That was a, that definitely yeah. a whoosh <laughs> on me. But that was cool, yeah.
1: Um, yeah, and so that's that's the justification for why there's like these multiple versions of the document. You're reading through it after all of this has already happened. And while reading through it, you're re-causing it to happen.
0: Uh, I do like, I, I actually do want to reread this now because I'm realizing uh, you definitely seem like one of those authors where there's no waste. Like everything in the article is there for a reason. It's not just there for filler or whatever. Um, that's why I guess this is just my experience. I've been involved with the, the reading SCP articles on and off for the past six years, I think. And I think I've just had, I've dealt with so many articles that like certain, ex- certain links are like not completely necessary. Like you can still kind of get through it without reading the, the little extra links mixed into the article that's almost trained me to not. Uh, so, <laughs> for, unless I really, really like the article and wanted to read it again. But uh, I think I will use this as a example of I should really end that habit. And for our listeners who also have that bad habit, um, this uh, proposal I think is a good example to maybe stop. Yeah,
1: and again, like, it's not the only valid interpretation right you can yeah. totally like some people have uh, an interpretation of the proposal where it's like the the fourth iteration with the primordial and the archival is like where the story starts or mm-hmm. right? like that's the true version of reality yeah like and and because it's a closed loop like this you can have you know your own theories about which version is the initial version and which versions are caused by the other versions right um it's 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 interpretable in a lot of different ways and uh, that's something i consider to be imp- an important uh part of it and the reason like part of the reason why i wrote it hmm.
0: yeah i mean i definitely am a big believer too of like The art and the artist, um, they can be separate things. They don't the artist doesn't necessarily represent the art or have control over what the art actually means. Um, Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people like to use the example of J.K. Rowling for the Harry Potter series, how she will constantly add on to it and try to say, oh, well, well, this means this and this means this. And people are just like, no, the books Mm -hmm. are what the books say. And that's that. Um, Right. So good example. Uh, all right, we've been chatting for a while, so I'm gonna wrap this baby up. Uh but before I wrap it up, do you have any uh last like loose ends you wanna tie up, or anything you wanna shout out?
1: Yeah, so I have uh a couple things. Uh the first thing is uh I wanna I wanna just quickly go into like why I actually wrote this proposal and mm-hmm. what it it means. So uh, from a, like, moral of the story standpoint, um, we shouldn't regard O1 proposals as, like, the fucking end-all, be-all, like, most significant thing in the world. Hmm. That's, that's what I'm trying to express here, is that we, the SCP Wiki community, and especially the authors in the SCP Wiki community, uh, are really, like okay, writing an old one is a big challenge, and you need to hit all my check marks in order for me to upvote your article, so maybe write five or six SCPs, and then, you know, get crit from all these people, and then when you really feel like you can, you know, you're up to snuff, Mm -hmm. you can come onto our cool club and write a proposal. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and, you know, and, and I don't want to, you know, cast whatever, no negativity, but, um, but I just was really frustrated with that because I felt like, you know, it's this really interesting concept and framework through which you could express a whole bunch of different ideas. And uh, you're, by saying, like, oh, an O one proposal has to be this in order for me to feel like it's worthy of being on the site, you're really limiting what people can, can do with the concept mm. and how people can contribute to the site. Um, and so that was the sort of, like, essence behind... Uh, behind the proposal is like it was my love letter to proposals and it incorporates a lot of elements of proposals that I quite like Um, but it was also like we shouldn't treat it as like as like the you know the final boss of the SCP wiki
0: or whatever do you know how that started like how it became I feel like so many of them have to do with the end of the world and things like that like did that just kind of happen or was there a real reason why that happened
1: Well, I mean, part of the idea is because it's the O-1, like, it should be something so, you know, important that the Foundation classifies it as O-1, as their, like, prime anomaly that they should have to worry about. And so I understand why, from that concept, you get to all of these world-ending things, like the Scarlet King or the Gate Guardian or mm-hmm. what have you. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't been around here for for that long, and, uh, and ones have been a thing for, like, a decade or something, and so, uh, I I can't necessarily speak to the entire history of proposals and how they ended up the way they are, or at least being perceived and treated the way they are in the community, Mm -hmm. um,
0: but I can say that,
1: uh, this, you know, this is how I felt about it, and this is what I wanted to say about it, and if you look at my proposal, like, you can see the, the multiple iterations thing, uh, is like sort of an element of Jim North's uh proposal which is about Dr. Wondertainment um the toy maker uh you can see elements of DJ Cactuses or a Boris cycle because my proposal has a a a a, a time loop in it um, you know, you can you can see all of these other elements of other proposals in it, and that's because you know I really appreciate the other proposals, and I wanted to make a justification for examining uh, prior canon in a way that made sense with the whole idea of the retirement proposals, and I wanted to make proposals something that wasn't so hard to like get in on and collaborate on uh, without being like scrutinized by everyone, which is the purpose of the collaborative supplement, where you can go and you can add your own like little 300 word retirement proposal thing like i just wanted to communicate to everybody that i think this is something that we should be able to do new things here we should be able to do things that not everybody likes and we should be able to do them in a way where other people feel like they shouldn't like they should be able to write no one you shouldn't have newer authors to the site going like I just shouldn't even write it because Mm -hmm. I know it's going to get downvoted and deleted because, you know, less than 50 percent of people that get to it within the first two weeks are going to are going to think it's up to their standards or whatever.
0: Yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize there was a whole like narrative that you're trying to get across specifically to the wiki and like the community.
1: Uh and then and then the one other thing uh I would want to share before we wrap things up is mm-hmm. uh is my favorite my favorite SCP. Um, oh yeah. That's <laughs> is, so, at the end now. <laughs> my favorite author on the SCP wiki is a guy by the name of Harry Blank, and mm. he only joined a couple months before I did. Mm. Um but he, his writing output is insane, and he's in like the top 150 authors already. Wow. Uh, and he's written like something like 100,000 words for the wiki. That's
0: crazy. It's,
1: it's crazy. It's he, crazy. Um, he has an entire canon set up around uh, his own personal site, Site43. Um, and Site43 is all about uh, weird containment solutions and harry is uh is a in real life is a historic uh a historian a history student or professor or whatever mm-hmm. um and so a lot of his uh a lot of his scps dive into like the history of how something ended up a certain way um the whole site deals with awkward unusual containment solutions and uh, and i'm collaborating with him on an article right now that's actually related to my favorite article and i'm very honored to be doing that but um My favorite article is SCP-5243, The Breach That Keeps on Breaching, by Harry Blank. Hmm. And um, it is an anomalous magic explosion that occurred in Site-43's Acromatic Abatement Facility, which is a facility that processes anomalous waste and tries to detoxify it. Um, There was an explosion in there, and that explosion... Uh, caused a bunch of weird, crazy things to happen all around the site, like people perceiving colors different way, different ways, people being turned inside out, non-linear progression of time, all of this awful stuff. Mm. And seven people die in that explosion, and seven people uh, help to try and contain the explosion while it's happening. Um, Eventually, it stops, they fix everything, they deal with it it's just one blip that happened except exactly one year later everything in the site the way that all the rooms were configured the way that all the people were situated within it reverts back to way the way it was exactly a year ago in 2002 and the explosion re and the seven people who helped to contain it can choose to act differently than they did the first time hmm. and if one of the seven people who died doesn't die because they don't receive the same instructions they received the first time, they will live and this new version of reality will branch off into a dead timeline where that person who was supposed to have died but has now lived and is imbued with the magic energy from the explosion has these crazy chaotic superpowers that they can't control that lead to apocalyptic reality destroying stuff and so now the seven people who helped originally contain it in 2002 uh, now have to wait from 2003 until 2004 have to survive this apocalypse for an entire year until the next year that the breach happens. And then they can role play as themselves correctly and set everything back to the way it's supposed to be. Wow. There's a lot more to it than that, but that's just, that's just the most brief overview that I can give. So the breach that that keeps on breaching. I
0: definitely need to read
1: that. It's, uh, it's really awesome. Five, two, four, three, please check it out. I'm sure that'll be in the description too. Um, And I guess the last things I would have to say were that uh, I had a lot of fun uh, in this conversation, and I'm really excited that a bunch of people are going to hear about it and hopefully go check out my works. And I'm uh, really honored to have been on the podcast. So thank you very much for that. Yeah,
0: no problem. And I will say, sorry, I did say we were going to talk about free free will, but we ran out of time. But part two. We can uh, definitely would like to have you on too. Uh, eventually We eventually get again more here. into
1: pataphysics. Yeah, exactly. Sure. There's
0: so much more stuff we could talk about. Um, so definitely would love to have you on again. Uh, I'm sure you're not stopping writing anytime soon. It seems like you have so many ideas and stuff, which is awesome. which is cool. Um, but yeah, thanks for coming on. Um, I'll try my best to have all the articles that we mentioned in the links, but if not uh, Google it, um, I might miss one or two just cause it's a lot of, uh, podcast to go through again um and i, I don't like re-listening to me talking <laughs> I, I said it um but yeah thanks for coming on um hope we'll uh, try to get this baby out soon um and then uh if you haven't been following i release podcasts twice a month i try to do the first and 15th every month um and yeah thanks for coming on it was a pleasure Peace.